Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni. With powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads, it keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. I just want to make the point, I've started with that bit of music because that is what's actually happening now as me and Phil sit down to do the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. That noise there is the German national anthem. Phil, we're sat here at 5-8 to eight on Sunday evening. Correct. The World Cup final is about to kick off and we're here. Priorities, Tim. That, exactly, exactly, <clears throat> Phil. That's what that's, This matters that much. So I do hope you enjoy the very latest episode of the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. Let's get going. And we're without JB, which means the introduction will go perfectly well. Nice and smooth. Exactly. We're on episode 43 of the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Uh, I'm Tim and he's Phil. Hi, Tim. And we, uh, yeah, we don't have JB because he's on his honeymoon. Yes. I mean, as I said, we're missing, let me just make the point again, JB, if you're listening, we're missing the World Cup final. You're on a honeymoon, of all things, and yeah, you're missing the podcast. You're probably nice and drunk, eating lots of pasta in some uh, Italian bar restaurant. Oh. Watching the World Cup final. Exactly, exactly. Well, listen, um, as JB's not here, I thought before we get into the rugby action, we could maybe discuss, now he's not here, we can discuss his wedding behind his back, basically. So let's let's, let's talk JB's wedding for a second. JB as a groom. Because you you were there very clearly. You were part of the bridal party, Phil. I was, yeah. How was he? I I think a lot of grooms are probably nervous. JB wasn't really. Um, He was very calm. When I uh, first met him in the morning, so... We were helping out with the marquee because there was a few of us in the in the groom's party, so we were putting up stuff at like half seven in the morning. And I arrived and JB arrived. And I said to Jay, oh, it's your big day, isn't it? And he said, what, what? We're not doing the podcast today, are we? <laughs> well, maybe he has got his priorities straight after all. Well, maybe, maybe. The one thing which JB didn't really want to get into the last episode, out of respect for his best man, but is the best man speech. Now, I think we should talk about this for a second. Oh. There are some things that happen, aren't they, that are so bad they're good. It was the most entertaining best man speech I've ever seen. It was because we know the best man very well. Uh, I think for anyone who didn't really know the best man, I'm not sure how much they would have enjoyed it. It was rambling, incoherent, way, <laughs> way too fast. Um, the best heckle I've ever heard was during this best man speech when someone just shouted, Breathe! Breathe! <laughs> He's talking so fast. He swore four or yeah, five times I know. In, in the first the first sentence he swore four or five times. I know. I mean, let's think about it, right? When you bubble it down, and if you haven't been a best man or if you ever do, are a best man, there are three things a best man has to do. Number one, you toast the bridesmaids. Number two, you thank the parents of the bride and groom. Number three, you toast the newlyweds. If you do nothing else, then you'll have done your job if you just do those three things and no one will say you did a terrible job. However, this best man, instead of toasting the bridesmaids, I think we need some more appropriate music for this. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of toasting the bridesmaids, said the bridesmaids are all taken. Oh, f! <laughs> Instead of thanking the parents of the bride and groom, he said, "I don't know how you four made two such lovely people." <laughs> and instead of toasting the newlyweds, he said, "Right, see you drink off. This is how you do it." And then knocked back a pint, put down, left his flute of champagne, and knocked down a pint of bitter. He also called their potential future kids little belters. <laughs> he did. And their dog, he called him a gay guide dog. <laughs> <laughs> deary me, deary me. But anyway, it's wedding season at the minute. And uh, Phil, you went to a very special, getting back to the rugby, you went to a yeah. very special wedding, didn't you? Or so we thought. Well, I was at Steph Armitage's wedding yesterday, Tim, which I, I text to you and JB. Could Pre- not have been more impressed or more jealous. Yeah, it turns out that it's Stephanie Armitage, who's a friend of friend of my <laughs> girlfriend, so it's uh, not quite as interesting or exciting. That's the only way she got you to go. 
Uh, come, come to <laughs> Steph Armitage's wedding. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no problem. I'm in. I'm in. Anyway, listen, thank you for all the contact. We've had loads of people getting in touch in the last week uh, after the podcast. And there we were thinking we were going to be talking to no one because it's the off-season. Well, just the off-season doesn't mean that there's no podcast unless you're JB. And that means there is no podcast. <laughs> He's not here this week. But yeah, thank you for all the contact. And a lot of that is going to be used again because... And again, I take it all back. I was dubious as to Phil's talking point last week when you said, let's have a discussion of the best 15 that you could pick if players 1 to 15 were all the same person. Yep. And it's it's gone into... And we're going we're gonna to take it to another level than just chatting about it, as you'll find out very soon. But um, it's the off-season in the UK. It does not mean it's off-season anywhere else. And Super Rugby is getting to its crescendo. Have you watched much of this, Phil? I've not really had as much time to watch it as, I, as I'd like. I've seen bits and I, I tend to try and catch up on the uh, the highlight show um, on a Sunday evening. I've had builders in, so I haven't been able to get into my living room for about two months. So I've not, <laughs> I've genuinely not watched any of it. Um, and because I was at this wedding yesterday, I, I've not watched any of the games. Like I, I saw all of the results and saw who has now um, qualified for the playoff positions. Yeah. Um, and who secured the home semi-finals as well, well. You know, this is when it gets interesting anyway. So the way it's finished up, is the Sharks are taking on the Highlanders and the Brumbies are taking on the Chiefs in the... It's not the semi-final, is it? No, no it's, it's, it's the, like the, the qualifiers like the to qualifiers go... qualifiers to go through to the semis. To go through to the semis, yeah, precisely. Which actually does lead us on to uh, a tweet we have got in the last week from Michael Harding, who says, uh, Boys, please, on the next podcast, can you try and explain how the Super Rugby qualifying works? It's a little bit out there, don't you think? Well, do you know what? I'm sure JB would be here going, it's just like NFL. It's just like NFL. Because <laughs> uh, he loves his American football. So interject at any point, Phil. Okay. There's 15 teams in Super Rugby. The top Australian team, the top New Zealand team, and the top South African team go through automatically. And then the next three best teams also go through to the qualifying stage. Yeah. So you, you have you have conference tables. So you have an Australian, New Zealand, and a South African table. And then you have like one larger table where everyone's put together. So like you say, the first team from each nation automatically goes through and then the next three teams on the, the bigger table go through. Coincidentally, this year, the top three teams are Waratahs, Crusaders and Sharks. One, one from each nation. One from each. So you can just look at the, the, the bigger table, the overall table, and pick your first, your, your qualifiers. But I was looking at it and theoretically, by these rules, theoretically a team could finish 11th and go through <laughs> because because uh, you could, could have the, five the, new zealand you could have yeah. uh, sorry five south african teams f- uh, five new zealand teams and then you could be the 11th placed overall but the top placed australian team and you would go through yes yeah which is a bit of an, un- an anomaly but i don't think it's ever worked like that no it hasn't and certainly this year it's a, it's quite a good split although you do again you get three new zealand teams there's two Australian teams and only one South African team. Which is unusual because South Africans have been dominant. But interestingly, South Africa are the only country who, as a national team, will select players not playing in South Africa. So Australia and New Zealand, you have to be playing in that in that country. So that might be a, a demonstration that, that that policy isn't isn't as good, or certainly isn't as good for the the club sides. For, for the for the regional teams, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Well, it's a brilliant little fact, and it's. Uh, I thought, right, JB's not here. I've got to go and dig for some factage, and I think I've come up goods, right? The team with the best attack has won 13 out of 18 Super Rugby titles. The team with the best defence has won three out of 18 Super Rugby titles. Wow. In all three of those seasons where the team with the best defence ended up winning overall, the team with the best defence was also <laughs> the team with the best attack. Wow. That's a that's a great start. And uh, if I just complete this fact, this year the Waratahs have been both the best in attack and the best in defence. Fact. Have it. Great fact. Wrapped up in a nice little fact package with, <laughs> with that last, last little bit, Tim. Which points to the fact the Waratahs are going to win, but the Crusaders have unleashed Dan Carter. Yes. They've uh, taken him out of his cotton wool padding and his... Uh, what was it in Star Wars they put uh, Han Solo in? Carbonite or whatever. He's been, he's been, he's been defrosted from his carbonite and he's been, <laughs> he's been let loose on a rugby pitch again. Yeah, because the Crusaders had a terrible start. They lost like probably four or five games on the bounce initially. But then I think they're... Uh, ten unbeaten or something. Yeah, like something like that. Nine, ten unbeaten games coming into the end of the season. So they're really peaking at the right time. So it's, it's pretty mouth-watering. And, like and I said, they've also got Kieran Reid back who's yes. had problems with concussion and is 
back looking back to his best. He is. He's effortless, is. like he does. Purely on form, it looks like Waratah's Crusaders all the way, but uh, which is a pretty mouth-watering prospect. Yeah, it should be a great game. Next season, however, there is going to be one notable absentee from Super Rugby, and I'm going to get a very, very different type of music for this one. The Honey Badger's going. He's leaving Super Rugby. He is. What a shame. He's, he's also will not be available for Australia for the World Cup next year. Is that definitely 100% fact? Um, well, they will only select from people playing in Australia. Oh, man, they need to make it just get an him exception up. for yeah. the badge. Get him in the squad. Just get him over here. You can do some uh, some interviews, some motivational speaking, that kind of thing. Even if he doesn't play, just get him on the plane. So if you've not heard, essentially Nick, uh, Nick Cummins is going to be going to Japan to play his rugby basically straight after well now but he's going to be going over to Japan straight away yeah straight after the final game which was this weekend and he's stopping his contract with the Western Force early and with the blessing of Western Force and the Australian Rugby Union as well because it's a very very exceptional set of circumstances that mean the Honey Badger's going now some people instantly went what? what's going on is he just chasing the dollar and Mm. actually the fact is yes he is with very unique circumstances. Yeah, he's chasing it for the right reasons. Yeah, exactly. So he's going because he, two of his brothers have cystic fibrosis and his dad currently has prostate cancer and they need basically a bit of security financially and he's taking it upon his shoulders to provide for his whole family. It's, it's really, really impressive, isn't it? Like, it's fantastic. It's um, a- yeah, incredibly commendable thing to do. And let me just read a little bit of the letter that Nick, the open letter that Nick, Gammy, uh, Nick Cummins left. He said, I'd like to take this opportunity to announce to the Australian rugby community my decision to cease playing rugby in Australia to take up an opportunity in Japan. I'll be heading to Japan at the conclusion of Western Force's final Super Rugby match, which is now finished. The reason for my decision is something most Australian rugby community may be aware of. My family's currently enduring some difficult times in terms of their health and well-being and my time in Japan will hopefully provide me with the opportunity to give back and provide some certainty for my family during this difficult time. It was a difficult decision to make in the context of a Rugby World Cup next year, but the health and well-being of my family is paramount, and the move to Japan is something I have to do for them. I must now put my own interest in the World Cup aside. Yeah. Special bloke, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can't hold anything against him for that. Like It's, it's a brilliant thing to do. And it's he loves a bit of karaoke. <laughs> maybe you can provide weekly rugby okey for the podcast while he's out there that would be excellent yeah he, he had a typically did you see his final post-match interview I didn't know I've not not seen it yet oh, check this out then Phil because he, he had a typical uh, Badger performance in his final post-match interview for Western Force so, uh, last game possibly uh, for the Western Force how does it feel? Mate, it feels great, especially with these blokes I've known for such a long time. You know, he's old Wikesy out there, man of the match. How good's he going? Fair dinkum, you know. Mate, uh, <laughs> Fair dig a hole and bury him. He doesn't get much better. We got um, <laughs> old boy over here. He's uh, come down for the for the trip across the uh, across the Nullarbor. Mate, uh, yeah, look, it's just great to have a win here in front of, in front of the sea of blue again, possibly for the last time. But you know, I haven't heard no fat lady just yet, so we'll, we'll take it from there. How about that try? How good did that try feel across the line? Oh, mate, it's fair to come across. I've gone, Wikes, yeah, give, give it. He goes, no, 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 push, you push me out. You push me out. I'm thinking, Wikes going to throw a long ball here. How's this going to go? Fair flicks it across. But he caught it off like a bride's 90, meaty, corner, <laughs> celebrations.com. It's bloody outstanding. <laughs> Nick, thanks a lot, mate. You've been uh, super excited. Um, good luck. Thanks, see you, Blue. Oh, um, unfortunately, he's only leaving Super Rugby, not Rugby full stop. Yeah, I hope we can still get some footage of his uh, interviews when he's playing in Japan. Oh, they could get better. It could get even better. It could get even more ridiculous, no doubt. Oh, amazing. What a special bloke. And, uh, well, Stuart Lancaster always talks about making an exception, doesn't he? Yeah. For for players. and he, But he hasn't done so with your mate, Steph Armitage. No. <laughs> but uh, I reckon, come on, make an exception for the Honey Badger. Yeah. He needs to be part of the World Cup. Yeah. Get him over here. Get him on the plane. Well, well, we'll have him as our fourth member during the podcast if he's uh, if he is available <laughs> if, next summer. Yeah, if he's got no, some uh, media commitments over here, then we can have him on. Listen, no, so that's Super Rugby taken care of. Let's uh, let's bring it back to something we talked about last week, and probably I'd I'd have to say is this been the most the thing we've had more reaction to of anything we've done? It's got to be up there. It's up there. I think the I think the uh, Jared Payne. Jared Payne. Yes. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jared Payne was definitely, um, pro- probably, definitely the most most contentious. Yeah, yeah, most talked about. But uh, this this is right up there. This is right up there. So um, go on, Phil, you take it because it was your idea. So yeah, we're debating uh, who the best player in the world is, and in order to, 
one of the ways you could potentially find out was if you had a team full of that one player, 1-15, to which team or which player's team would win. So we discussed it last week and I, I picked Manu Tuolagi, Jay picked Scout Brits, yeah. and Tim, you picked Sean O'Brien in the I end, did. didn't you? I did, yeah. But we've had a lot of suggestions on, on Twitter. Some um, some backing up our own choices and, and lots yeah. of other ones being offered. And there's been so many, in fact, that what we're actually going to do here, a little box, loads of suggestions that have come in on Twitter to at Rugby Podcast, and we're going to draw them out against each other in a last 16 style, and then we'll debate who would go through to the quarterfinals, which we'll then do next week. Yeah. So I'll pick out the first one, Phil. Key and Healy. Key, ooh, good scrummager. Yeah, that'd be a solid scrum, that. That was suggested because he's a, we were talking about how crucial the scrum could be, and yet but you still need to be able to play as well. Yeah. And Key and Healy's going to take on Ben Smith. Wow. <laughs> one of the form players uh, in World Rugby. You pick the next couple, Phil. So we've got Tom Young's on the front row, but also played in the backs a bit when he was uh, when he was younger. And Sergio Parise. Wow. Who was mentioned, uh, James Bubb and James Nunley. Yeah. Both mentioned uh, Parise on Twitter. Uh, Shout Brits, JB's choice, mm. will play... Scott Gibbs. Wow. <laughs> who Greg Neal suggested for his looking like a prop. Yeah. And and, and but playing like a back. Yeah, there but hitting like a, a back row as well. Uh we've got Kieran Reed. Oh, that's a good one. Boris de, have you written this down right, Tim? Boris de Chundera. Yeah, that's his name on Twitter. This is a great matchup. Kieran Reed versus Israel Falau. Oh wow. Have you seen Israel Falau's new haircut? By the way, no, I'm not. Oh, I need to get you a picture of this haircut before we move on. Have, have a look at that. He's kind of got blonde. Blondie. He's got sort of blonde tints in it. Uh, from a different angle, it looks like. Do, do you know that? Uh, the emperor penguin that has those yellow. <laughs> yeah. Sticking out the top I, of its hair. I, I don't know which. I know it's a penguin. Is it a macaroni penguin or? It might be one of those. He looks yeah. like he looks like that penguin with the yellow <laughs> bits. The one that in, in Happy Feet, the movie, the one that Robin, Robin Williams is. Anyway, so he's, yeah, he's got a questionable haircut. So where are we up to? That's eight picked out, isn't it? Yeah. Next matchup is Sonny Bill Williams. Ooh. He got quite a bit of attention on Twitter. Yes. Against my suggestion, which was also backed up by several other people um, saying Sean O'Brien would be a good shout. Sonny Bill against Sean O'Brien. That'd be a great, yeah, real physical battle as well. We've got Brian O'Driscoll, suggested by Mike Dunning. How we missed him. Yeah. How we didn't even suggest him with his ability to play like a back row. All the skills of, well, oh, one of the best got, backs in the world. You've got to pick out whose opponent uh, is. Yeah, pick one more from there. Versus <laughs> Marco Bergamasco. Sorry, Mauro, <laughs> Mauro Bergamasco. Who has played forward and backs. Yeah, one of the very few people to play internationally in the forwards and backs. Although his appearance in the backs was uh, painfully short. He lasted 40 minutes. Next one, courtesy of John Burton, Andrew Sheridan. Wow, good, good player. Front row, dynamic Incredibly strong. He also played a, a bit of back row when he was younger, didn't he? And he, he number younger, eight yeah. and second row. We'll play. Oh, this is a, this is possibly the ugliest tie of the round. <laughs> Francois Tranduc, uh, oh. which comes courtesy of Matt McKenzie. Wow. Yeah, and Sheridan against Tranduc. I think that would be the one that's on. Um, I don't think the TV companies would be fighting over no, that, that matchup. ITV four for that one. And <laughs> um, we've got my pick. Which was also backed up by a few people, Manu Tuolagi. Against the final one in there. Who is his Leicester teammate, um, Nicky Geneva. Ooh. Chris Livett suggested wow. Nicky Geneva would, would oust Tuolagi, yeah. Wow. So yeah, that is that would be the uh, the prime well, one of the prime time matchups. Right, so let's go through these then, um one by one and we'll we'll go from our last sixteen. And thank you very, very much for people getting in touch. We'll go from our last 16 to a final eight, which we will then discuss next week. Now, I know if JB was here, he would just say every prop would win. Every front rower would beat anyone else automatically. But in a real game, would could Keen Healy beat Ben? Oh, 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 hold on. What a waste. Sorry, mess oh. Uh, Higuain just missed the city didn't even hit the target sorry Ugh. this is important sorry we're, 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 we're recording yeah. the podcast during the World Cup final um, that's the commitment we have sorry so you're trying to say let's try and back away from that and get ourselves down that alleyway where well, it's yeah. all about scrummaging yeah let's try and look at it because Jay was making the point that well if the props just knock on every time they get a ball and scrummage they just scrummage and scrummage and scrummage and win the game but let's assume that the refs are going to 
um, start binning people for deliberate knock-ons, which yeah. is what it which is what it would be. Yeah. So you can't just do that. So it's not all about the scrimmaging. Yeah. But power can often beat beat speed. Rather than picking so much on weaknesses, you need to focus on the positives of each yes. of the individual players. Might be a good approach to take. Perfect. Well, uh, well said, Tim. So uh, the first one then: Kean Healy versus Ben Smith. Now Ben Smith is probably. Well, arguably the form back in the world for the past 12 months. Yeah. He's played outside centre, wing and fullback for the All Blacks. And everything he does just seems to make the right decision and make the right call. Yes, and deceptively quick, deceptively strong, always seem to beat a man. Incredible hands. Versus Keen Healy, who is... One of the most destructive scrummagers and loose yeah. prop forwards. Dangerous runner for, for a prop forward. He's got a, a good turn of pace and he can run through and run over people uh, as well. But you'd like to think if there were if there was a two-on-two, Ben Smith, Keen Healy, that Ben Smith would find an angle and yeah. find a bit of space to get round him. Yeah, and Ben Smith's defence is all, all, also very good. You wouldn't get Keen Healy running over him I, I wouldn't have said but you can't underestimate how powerful that man is yeah, true I, mean, I don't think it would be it wouldn't be an expansive game it would be 10 man rugby from Kean Healy yeah. but it would be destructive and hard to stop I think I'm going to say Kean Healy I, I, I was edging towards Kean Healy I think he'd probably just be able to do it because I don't think he'd get gassed particularly by Ben Smith not 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 all the time uh, certainly if he had a nice drift defence in his, his team <laughs> he'd be able to manage it <laughs> But yeah, his destructive power and his destructive running, I think, could just get too much eventually. I think, yeah, over 80 minutes, I, I think I agree with you. Um, if you really disagree and you want to shout Ben Smith's corner, then, well, you can tell us on Twitter, but it's too late because uh, yeah. ben, ben Smith has been eliminated. Keen Healy goes through to the last eight. Good close matchup be- between it. two very different different players. It was. The next matchup is uh, Tom Youngs versus Sergio Parise. I think this one's a bit quicker to decide, don't you? I would I would certainly agree. Tom Young's a great player, but Sergio Parise for the past 10 years has been yeah. arguably the best number eight in the world and can do just about everything. As, as was pointed out on Twitter, we have people um, sending us links of uh, Sergio Parise doing an amazing touch-finding kick. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the guy can do it all. And I was really annoyed at myself. Last week, my, my, my thinking behind this was I want a, a, a back row player who's a ball player, powerful, good hands, and I didn't think of Sergio yeah. Parise. Can the world take 15 Sergio Parise, though? <laughs> Can the, the women of the world take 15 <laughs> <Exactly>. Sergio Parise's? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's possible. Let's, let's hope not. But Sergio Parise goes through. Sorry, Tom Youngs, you're out. Uh, next up, Schalke. This is an enticing... This is JB's selection of Schalke Brits. Yeah. Up against Scott Gibbs. Yeah, Scott Gibbs, Gibbs in his prime, not a uh, current... Scott, Scott Gibbs, forty-five-year-old Scott Gibbs. <laughs> this is a great matchup. This as well. is a great matchup because you can look at the shape of Scott Gibbs and go, he'd actually do all right in the scrum. Yeah, I think he'd be useful, and you know, you can imagine him having a massive defence. Yeah, great defence, both in like the hits and the the turnovers as well. And but equally, you could say for Shout Brits, he's a forward that knows how to play like a back. Yeah, it's it's a. A front row forward who can play like a centre and a centre who can play like a front row forward. Brilliant matchup. It's a hell of a play. It might be worth saying, Shout Brits, because he's current, because he's, well, he's a current international, isn't he? He's playing, playing for South Africa at the moment. Um, to pick him ahead of Scott Gibbs, who yeah. 10 years ago, well, a bit more than that probably, was uh, in his prime. Um, should we go Shout Brits? Let's Just go. And because JV it was happy. JV, yeah. Just, just for G. Uh, it's a tight, it's a tight matchup again. So we've got Keen Healy, Shout Brits, and Sergio Parise through to the last eight. Next matchup is another, another brilliant one. Kieran Reed versus Israel Folau. Arguably the best back in the world against the best forward in the world. Yeah, if you look at the last last couple of years, it's definitely, definitely. Um, is it, I mean, you're a backfill. How good I, is Israel Folau? Israel Folau's running athleticism, reading the game is. Uh, second to none, absolutely. Whether he can do everything, because he's only been playing Union for two years, um, whether he has kind of the, the knowledge of rooking, mauling, um, whether his hands are good enough to to have a team of 15 of them, I'm not quite sure. So in a running game, yes, but overall, I think I'm edging towards Kieran Reid. Yeah, I'm with you. 
I'm with you, Israel Folau. That was a hell of a matchup, and if Israel Folau would come up in some other matchups, so far. yeah, there's a lot of players where Israel Folau would have easily, easily won. Uh, this is an interesting one: Sonny Bill Williams against Sean O'Brien. Great game, great matchup. That's a hell of a matchup. Now, my initial reaction is Sonny Bill Williams. He can do anything he wants. If he wants to go and be national boxing champion, he'll do it. Yeah. If he, if he wants to play rugby league and get to a World Cup final, he'll do it. If he wants to win a World Cup at Rugby Union, he manages it. So I have no doubt that he would manage this. Massive challenge that Sean O'Brien would represent. He's a tough old cookie, though, Sean O'Brien. He is. And he's he's quick. He's very, very strong. All round, very strong. And I, but I don't think Sonny Bill Williams would find it easy scoring tries against Sean o, against 15 Sean O'Briens. No. And you, you've, you've also got to say that I don't think uh, Sonny Bill is particularly much quicker than Sean O'Brien. So he's not going to go around him. He's not going to go through him. Sounds like a rugby song we were singing at the <laughs> wedding last week. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Oh, just while we're deliberating that, there's one more thing that happened at the wedding last week. Um, but now it was with a load of rugby boys. They started downing jam. There was some part. There were some party favors on the table. The little jars of jam, which uh, JB and his mum had made. Yeah, it was a very very kind gift for all the, the uh, wedding goers. Uh, which, within about ten minutes of us sat down at our table, it began like a drinking game, which involved knocking back the jam. It was a game of fives for who did a jam, and one of the lads did one and made it look a bit a bit too easy, and then more than a few people ended up doing one. You did one, didn't you, Tim? I did. I, I really didn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> what I thought was a lovely gift that JB and his mum had uh, given us as a party favour ended up being diabetes. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've actually brought, uh, JB and Layla brought a few more around to our house, so we've got about four four more pots of jam just in case we have a few drinks anytime soon. Right, Sonny Bill Williams, Sean O'Brien. I'm, uh, you, I think you have convinced me a little bit. You know what? I think the... Sean O'Brien's power game would yeah. would defeat Sonny Bill Williams more than goal. Sonny Bill Williams attacking. Goal. Was there a goal? <laughs> With Rojo and Higuain in there. Are you, is yours, yours must be ahead of mine. Mine must be a second ahead. Oh, oh, offside. But Argentina have not taken the lead. Oh. oh. Now the flag went up very, very quickly. Let's have a look at this. Let the boys play. <laughs> he is, he's offside. He's clearly offside. You're ahead of me again, I can't see it yet. Oh, he is offside. Absolute correct decision again. Mark Lawrenson on it. Oh my God, it's horrible. It's better than Phil Neville, but not by much. Not by much. Anyway. Anyway. Sorry, Tim. Sorry to interrupt uh, you like that. No, 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 not at all. You can interrupt me for that. The, uh, just, to, just to reiterate, we, we, this is how much we love the podcast and love rugby. We are doing this during the World Cup final. Uh, Sean O'Brien, I think you're, you've sort of convinced me a little bit that Sean O'Brien's power game and the, and the hard graft he would do would grind down Sonny Bill Williams more than Sonny Bill Williams' attacking play would grind down Sean O'Brien. Yes, I'll go for that. Let's see. Sean O'Brien incredibly through. The next one, well... We've got two not-so-good ones and then one great one. Okay. So, Brian O'Driscoll versus Mauro Bergamasco, which for me is quite easy. Yeah, Bod, well done. Bod, great game, Bod. Yeah, you're, well, thank you. It's like um, it's like Costa Rica getting through to the quarters. You, 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 you've, had, you've had a good time. Now, do one. Um, <laughs> right, Andrew Sheridan against Francois Tranduc. Ooh. It's got to be Sheridan. Sheridan's power. Yeah, Tranduke's not an athletic enough player to yeah to to, to run to... rings around him. No, if it was Sheridan and say Ben Smith, I might be thinking Ben, yeah. ben Smith would have done a job. Or Sheridan versus Israel Falau. Yeah, I'd, yeah. God, it's quite forward heavy at the minute. Uh, and the last one then, Tuolagi versus Nicky Geneva. Ooh. Manu Manu Tuolagi. Now this this is a great matchup. Right, I mean this is where you have got to consider every facet of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Scrum, line out, ruck, maul, defense, attack, yeah, kick, kicking. Because they've both, like certainly this season, they've both played quite a bit in the outside centre berth. Because Manatuolaga was out for three months with his pectoral injury, yeah, and Nicky can either steps into that position. Equally, Tuolaga's played on the wing a bit uh, when he was younger, and obviously a little bit unsuccessfully in the uh, the tour to to New Zealand. Fifteen Nicky Gonovers against fifteen Manatuolangis. I, I, what, what I would suggest is they would need the full bench of 23 <laughs> in a game like this. It would be, how physical would that game be? Yeah. How good to watch as well. Pace? Do you reckon there's much between them? 
No, they cancel each other out in a lot of ways, don't they? Yeah. Pace, I'd, I'd just say attack in general. Nicky Geneva probably a bit more steppy. Yeah. Can, can, he sidesteps a bit better, but Tuolagi actually running through a man. He's probably two stone heavier than Geneva and actually going through players and drawing players in and keeping on running. He can be, he can win that element. Decent hands, good offloads. Both not the best kick kickers of the Yeah, players. both would do lots of other things rather than kick. Scrummaging, I reckon Tuolagi, given that he's about two stone heavier, would probably win that and win the, the close quarter stuff. Are you edging for Tuolagi then? I think I am, just on... But then, he, but then he, play, like player of the season in the Premiership, Nicky Gonover. Yeah, Tuolagi was was injured for yeah, yeah three okay. four months of that season. I think I think Look at you you're loving with Tuolagi once again. I know, I know. <laughs> he was my my first pick. Get a room, <laughs> and, and that that means all of our selections have gone through, so people can yeah. then shout that we're we're <laughs> we... fixing it first. <laughs> uh, yeah, go on then. We'll we'll do that one. Phil Phil just can't get enough. He just he's dreaming of taking a ride on a couple of horses. Him and Manny <laughs> Tuolagi going up pitching a tent. <laughs> and also putting up a tent to sleep in. We uh, right, so we've got that means our quarter finalists, and I'm, I'm ashamed that Andrew Sheridan's in there, but he's in there just just he got a good draw. Yeah, great draw for, for uh, Sheridan. I've got Andrew Sheridan, Shalk Brits, Kean Healy, three front rowers there, and Sean O'Brien in the back row. Uh, well, Sean O'Brien, Sergio Parise, and Kieran Reid all in the back row. Yeah, uh, alongside Bod and Tuolagi in the the centres. We will discuss the quarterfinals. You can already get ahead. In fact, should we do the draw for the quarterfinals and then, yeah. we, then we can have the matchups. Okay, give, let's get it done. Give those back. Put those back in there. So, first match is Kean Healy versus Schalk Skalk Brits. Interesting. Second one is Brian O'Driscoll against Manu Tuolagi. Oh, that's an interesting matchup. Ask Warren Gatland what he thinks. <laughs> We've got Parise versus Sheridan. Oh, this is an interesting matchup. Kieran Reed against Sean O'Brien. So we'll go Ooh. through those. We'll go through those one more time, and, and you can give your say on who you think deserves to get through. We're looking for a team one to fifteen, where they're all the same person. Which team would win? Brian O'Driscoll against Manu Tuolagi. Kieran Reed against Sean O'Brien. Kean Healy versus Schalk Brits. And Sergio Parisi versus Andrew Sheridan. Interesting. We'll get to that next week on next week's podcast. Yeah, and when Jay can uh, put his two pence worth, worth in. Oh, he will. Don't you worry about yeah. that. He will. <laughs> he will. Uh, now, uh, there's been plenty of transfer stuff going on in the UK. And we've been spending during the off-season some time just running the rule over the different teams in the United Kingdom and rattling through the Premiership as we have been the last couple of weeks. And we're going to put another two teams under the microscope right now. And it's the two teams which, according to the bookies, are the favourites to be in the bottom two positions in the Aviva Premiership. Yeah, I'd, I'd go for that as well. Starting with Newcastle Falcons. Yeah, who finished second bottom last year. They did. I think they lost something like 16 consecutive games from about October, November time. I was there in a one of the last games they won, it was away at Sale Sharks. It was a horrible performance by Sale. And that, a really <laughs> dogged performance by Newcastle. How do you see I mean, firstly, let's, let's talk about their stash. Have you seen the new kit? Uh, are they still with O'Ryan, is it? Gilbert. Oh, the, uh, was it Gilbert? Oh, no, they're it? still with Gilbert. Because Gil- oh, Gilbert had their horrible off-pitch stash. That, oh, That yeah. horrible fleece that, that Dean Richards insisted yeah. on with wearing. The, the green trim, wasn't it? Oh, it's horrible. Really horrible. There's a picture of Will Welsh wearing it there. So it's still Gilbert, plain black. And instead of the white design around the collar, they've gone for silver design so, around the collar. It's a standard standard kit, yeah. Is it me or are the, are the badge and the club crest really wide apart? They're a bit too far apart, aren't they? Are they just trying to make out that their chests their chest are is... so big, <laughs> <they're> so <laughs> muscular that it's stretching the uh, badge right over the other side of the shirt? <laughs> I reckon they might be doing that. I don't know. So Stash, yeah, fine. Yeah, solid. Nothing special. Uh, Squad and the recruitment that they've made. Now, this is where I think they're falling further behind the rest of the pack. Okay. Because I don't think their recruitment is good enough. Now, they've spent what I presume is a lot of money and and probably a big chunk of their salary cap on two players. The two Alagi boys. Yeah. Alessana, who's 33 now. 
and Andy or Anatolia. Yeah, uh, Alessandra's been playing in Japan. Andy's been playing Newport Gwent Dragons, but not really playing very much. No. I don't think. I don't think he's really played a lot anywhere because he's not. He's, he's not very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by comparison to the other two Alagi boys. Yes. Alessandra insisted that his brother got a job. <laughs> you can look at it from two ways, from the way on the pitch, but also, are they going to draw in the crowds? Are they the kind of players that are going to bring an extra two, 3,000 people per ga- per home game to a, a Newcastle Falcon match and therefore justify their uh, transfer? I, well, I, it's Alessandra, isn't it? Let's talk about him. Sorry, I, yeah, I, I, it I, is. I don't, really, I don't really see that being the case. They finished... 14 points adrift of London Irish, and they finished six points ahead of Worcester. So it's only just over a win better off from a woeful Worcester. Yeah, yeah. And when Newcastle played Worcester towards the end of the season, Newcastle actually lost because, well, they're just not a very good team. Yeah. They've not really made any signings of note besides those two players. Rob Hawkins from Leicester's. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a decent signing in the front row. But I think Hooker's an area they're actually all right. They've got Scott Lawson. Got Scott Lawson. And they had, uh, is it George McGuigan? Yes. Who looked really, really useful in towards the end of the season when they used him. Yeah, he actually, because uh, I was watching the uh, Newcastle Exeter game when we were yeah. down at BT Sport. Yeah. He actually caught uh, Sam Hill, the Exeter and yeah. England Saxon inside centre. He, he made a break, a clean break, and... Uh, McGuigan, McGuigan, the reserve hooker court. So I'm not sure hooker was a massive area of need for them. No. They are going to be going into this season. They've got Juan Pablo Sacchino, Argentinian player, who was really, really impressive a couple of years ago in the championship. And I think he's one of those that could be a bit of a surprise package. He's he, he, good, good goal kicker, solid player. I don't know if it's going to fall, follow in the Sam Dickinson kind of mould, pick up a player from Rotherham and he'll have a big have impact a good, in the yeah. premiership. Possibly. The biggest issue I have with them is fly half. Yes. So who who is like now Joel Hodgson's Look, gone? It's Rory Clegg and Phil Godman. Ugh. Yeah. Do you remember Rory Clegg when he was at he started off at Harlequins, didn't he? Yeah. Came through their academy. And he was talked about like he was like a future England player. The real deal. That, yeah, that that kind of level, but just never done it. Never never demonstrated that he's uh, got that mm. capability. So he's still only young though, he's still only what, twenty three, twenty four, something mm. like that. He, he could potentially step up but I think I'm going to say Newcastle. I reckon they'll finish last. I reckon they'll get relegated this year. Well, which brings us on to, and uh, let's talk about the plight of London Welsh. Yes. So you are, you're obviously predicting that they are going to finish above them. They, yeah, they won't finish last. They could well finish second last. I think it's almost, I'm saying that, I think Newcastle are that bad that I can't possibly see them being <laughs> anywhere other than last. Given the previous performance, like last season finish and uh, who they've brought in, you've seen it before though, where people bring in a lot of players and it doesn't gel. Yes. So London Welsh have brought in twenty-two players so far, and they're still announcing signings. Players coming in that have a lot of pedigree and could be potentially excellent for them. Ollie Bar. I'm just looking at some of the most notable ones: uh, Ollie Barkley, Dean Schofield, Tim Molinar, yeah. Pablo N, Piri Wipu. Lachlan McCaffrey, an uh, up-and-coming youngster from the Brumbies. Uh, Corey Britton. Corey Britton's a decent player. M- most Mostly recognised for his uh, sports centre camera incident. Ah, of course. <laughs> that, that's why he's a oh rec- recognisable name. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are we allowed to say it? Was he found? I, I think... I think... I think we have said it before, yeah. and we're we're still here. The story went: Corey Britton <laughs> was photographing a lady in a cubicle next door while he when he was in the swimming changing rooms. Yes, and he was doing it just for the lads to be a <laughs> lad. And uh, he she spotted him, and then she was shouting at him outside the cubicle: "Come out! Come out! Come out!" And then security and everything turned up. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Let's 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 not focus on that so much. Okay. Um, so so those those signings, well. If you look at all their 22 signings, it, it kind of, for me, splits into two halves. You've got players like Oli Barkley, Dean Schofield, Piri Wipu, uh, Molinar, who are experienced, but kind of, I feel like they're almost past their best. And then you've got a lot of people that have brought in from smaller clubs, lower level, kind of untried, untested at this level. Mm. Um, and some of them may be fantastic players. And you look at players like 
Well, you've mentioned before Dan Cole, like uh, Sam Dickinson, who've come up from from the championship. I think their best signing is Tim Molinar. Yes. Of all the signings, I think he's the one that's got the most to offer straight away. He but, could, could make a very good partnership with uh, Tom May in in the centres. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. I have to look at it and say, question the Dean Schofield signing. Yes. He, he, I really don't know what they're playing out there. I mean, he's a big old slice, but he he wasn't he wasn't getting in the Worcester team that got relegated. No. I think he's he's done. Piri Weepu's an unbelievable signing. Let's talk about that. That's probably yes, the most eye-catching yeah. signing of the summer. Yeah, we've been skirting around Got a it. World Cup winner. And now tight head prop is completely sorted. <laughs> I like that tweet that you uh, you posted, Tim. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, interesting signing. Big name. Um, I think arguably primarily to, to draw the crowds in. Having a World Cup winner, you'll get the people of, uh, people of Oxford down and uh, watching the game. Last few seasons, how well has he played? Um, he's had weight problems. He's had, unfortunately, heart problems, um, which hopefully now are, are all sorted. But I He's wonder... only 29 still. Is, it... Is he? Yeah. <laughs> wow. He had a tough paper round. <laughs> oh, he's, th- he's just turned 30, just... so I beg your pardon, he's 30. But oh, that's, not, that's not old. No, no, you're right, especially not for a, for a scrum half or, or a tight head prop. <laughs> I'm not sure. Sh- oh, I, th- I think it's going to be a closer run thing. I think London West will do better than Worcester did. Yes. I think it's, almost, it's hard to do as bad as Worcester did. <laughs> I don't see, I'll tell you what I don't see. I, I, I can see London Welsh's forwards being exposed a little bit. Right. Because they've already had, they've already been promoted and had their best forwards sort of cherry picked and taken out. Yeah. And I think, I, 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 I see them struggling up front. I'm going to say, no, they still don't have enough it, that London Welsh will go down. Right. So I'm putting them in 12. So should we let JB yeah. be the referee and adjudicator? Yes, we can do. Let's do that. Perfect. He'll, he'll love that as well. Uh, you can have your say as well. That's, that's only what we think as well for what our opinion is worth. And we'll be running the rule over other teams as the close season comes into play. We've got to talk Banter Squadron! <laughs> now, again, with the absence of JB this week is on his, on, his, on his honeymoon, I don't think we can actually fully induct someone into Banter Squadron without us all being present. Yeah, we need, need the trifactor to agree. Exactly, but uh, we can talk about this person and then and then get JB to officially verify or not. Rubber stamp it. Rubber stamp it, if, if that's the way we want to go. So, suggestion for Banter Squadron! Uh, Banter Squadron is uh, an elite (laughs) squadron of banter, safeguarding the values of Rugby Union, namely good, honest, thigh-slapping, good fun, and uh, and just good characters and having a laugh and respect and all the rest of it. So, we want to celebrate those individuals that are, are keeping that alive and keeping that tradition going, even through professionalism. And already in Banter Squadron, the inaugural member was Nick Cummins. We've had Donica O'Callaghan, and we've had... Joe Marler. Joe Marler, of course, Joe Marler. We turned down the NRL player who, well, it's called... Um, what was the... Bubbling was the name for it. Oh, yes. He, <laughs> he, he started the trend of bubbling, which is uh, urinating into your own mouth. Uh, we, we thought that better stay out of Banter Squadron. JB was adamant that he should be inducted, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> me and you had better sense to him. Right, well, this suggestion... Thank you very much, uh, Paul who says, boys, I know he's a referee, but please, I think he should be inaugurated into Banter Squadron. Nigel Owens, the referee. I can see where he's coming from. Well, what, what will you say that? What initially pops into your head with uh, Nigel Owens? He's uh, normally quite vocal when he's when he's referee, and he's had a few uh, quite funny moments, quite funny comments to... The players who are complaining and whining. Oh, there was that. There was that Treviso or Benetton Treviso scrum half who sort of took a little bit of a dive and he went, "Hey, you! It's not football. Yeah. Get on with it." And in the uh, the Leicester Ulster match in the Heineken Cup this year, he said, "I can't remember who it was." Uh, he told them that the uh, the football stadium's half a mile down the road. Yeah. So uh, get on with it. And for a referee to, to to do that in the in the tense games that he has to officiate, that's it's good going. Well, I'm going to show you something now. This is. A tweet that someone called Uppy Puppy on Twitter sent. They Upp- said, Uppy Puppy. Uppy Puppy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they said, This weekend I'm going to become a level one ref. Look out, Mid Wales. The next Nigel Owens is here. Uh, and then his friend, Tom Davy, replied to Uppy Puppy on Twitter. And I'll, I'll post a little picture of this conversation on Twitter and said, Basically, you're admitting you're turning gay. <laughs> ah, you didn't think that one through. 
Nigel Owens himself then replies to Tom and to Uppy Puppy and says, you could never be gay. You wouldn't cope with being turned down by men and women. (laughs) So he's taken a slur on his sexuality. He's taken some people talking about refereeing and he's, you know what, he's answered it with consummate humour and banter and uh, just done it brilliantly. Great work, Nigel. There was another example, I'm sure, isn't there? There was. uh, During the... Uh, Brazil-Germany semi-final of the World Cup he tweeted something along the lines of Brazil would have had a more enjoyable semi if they'd watched Brokeback Mountain it was something along, <laughs> something along those lines personally with him being a referee now as a referee that means he's never going to be able to cut loose in the way that Joe Marler or Nick Cummins or Donna Crow Callahan can because he has to keep that sort of different yeah pro- uh, professionalism but a different type of professionalism yeah isn't it? There's certain lines he cannot cross and then yeah. be an official in a match. Yes. So he, when he retires, I think he'll be an absolute hoot. Yes. And he probably is in the bar right now. So <laughs> I think uh, I would put I, Nigel Owen straight into Banter Squadron. Yeah, I'd go for that as well. So pending JB's final decision to ratify Nigel Owens, well, we've already kind of outvoted him, so it, <laughs> and I doubt we disagree. But well, anyway, it's a matter of formality. He has to be here. So next week, Banter Squadron! Could have Nigel Owens a member. Good work. And if you have any more suggestions for Banter Squadron, at Rugby Podcast is where you can find us on Twitter. There is one more. One final thing to talk about then, and uh, this is something else which was pointed... Well, this is something else. Did you spot this, Phil? Yes. Yeah. So what's been going on? So uh, if you recall, the last couple of seasons, as a pre-season thing, there's been a, a Premiership Sevens tournament where you have it's split into three regions. So you've had the North, you've had London, and you've had the South West as three different regions. And they've had sevens like on three consecutive weekends, sevens tournaments, and then the top two from each, going, or the top one from each goes mm. into a, a final tournament. Uh, I think a week or two weeks before the season starts. And it's normally a mix of, there's a few experienced players who are kind of working on their fitness and a few of the the young academy lads. Now this year, there's going to be four regions. So you've got the North, you've got London, you've got the South West, and you've got Wales as well. They're joining the Premiership um, rugby season, uh, rugby sevens thing. And the Premiership... uh, Chief Executive has come out with a statement. Have you got it to hand, Tim? The statement. Yeah, I can. I can. I can you can read it out from there, Phil. The, the bond between oh, that one there. Yeah. So he said the bond between Premiership rugby clubs and our friends in the Welsh regions gets stronger every year, and that was Mark uh, McCafferty. So that is, it's quite a invidious comment really yeah just saying that statement he knows what people are going to start tongues are going to start waggling doesn't he as they did and as they have yeah because there's already been issues and debate over the what's now called the the guinness pro 12 or is it guinness pro 12 guinness 12 uh guinness pro 12 yeah. guinness pro 12 they've got a new sponsor yeah which doesn't that again the fact it's guinness sponsoring does that i suppose they are a traditional rugby sponsor but yeah doesn't it doesn't it sort of it could potentially be another indication as we were talking about in previous podcasts where the attendance and the achievement of the Irish provinces is massively outweighing Wales, Scotland and Italy by some distance. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so yeah. The, 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 the Pro 12 officially good for pregnant women. <laughs> as of now. Uh, Meal in a glass. But it's an ambiguous statement, isn't it? Yeah. The, 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 he hasn't said the bond, we're really pleased about the Welsh regions being involved in the sevens. He said, the bond between premiership rugby clubs and our friends in the Welsh regions gets stronger every year. Yes. And yeah, that's obviously in, uh, kind of, kind of, think of the word, <laughs> indicating that um, they're going to continue to get stronger year on year There's going forward. Definitely some subtext there. And you, you, yeah. you wonder whether Mark McCafferty is one of the people lobbying premiership rugby to get the regions in. Yes. Now, that would be potentially good for Wales. Well, it probably would be good for Wales. It wouldn't be too bad for England, I wouldn't have thought. But for Ireland, it would not be good at all. That would not be good. Yeah, that would uh, yeah, change things. They'd have to do something pretty drastic, I'd imagine. But then Wales are in the position where they've got to do something drastic. Yeah, true. I don't know the terms of the Guinness deal with Pro 12, but if that can supply a bit of money to fund uh, some teams. Do we know where Sam Warburton's playing, by the way? 
Yeah. Uh, not as far as I'm aware. Oh my word! I think he got married uh, last couple of weeks. I saw some some pictures on on Twitter of him uh, with a beautiful bride. I assume it was his. Yeah. Um, but no, no, no idea where he'll be playing next season. Northampton, perhaps. Maybe that. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine? Strengthen their squad. Oh yeah. For three games a season. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there we go. That's that. That's a little story. It could be the starting point of a little story, but. I don't know, what do you make about I know we have a lot of people listening in Ireland. How would you feel if if Premiership Rugby and the Welsh Regions joined forces and left you, Scotland and Italy, alone? Yeah, would would Italy then uh, withdraw from the, the Guinness Pro 12? Where, is there, where is would there an Ireland argument go? for Italy having a couple of teams in the top 14 as well in the same way? Yeah. Instead of the... Yeah, certainly for travelling to Ireland, Scotland and Wales. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier to get um, travel both ways because you get French fans... Um, yeah, from the south, people going from Toulon driving down to Biarritz, uh, Toulon. Yeah, it would be, it'd be much easier. Mont- Montpellier, all the rest, not Montpellier, uh, Marseille. Marseille, yeah. Interesting. So we'll, we'll just leave that one hanging, and uh, and then, yeah, I, I, do you know what? I reckon there's probably an element of something been missing this podcast with Jane up B not being here, and that's probably any defamatory, <laughs> illegal <laughs> comments. So what, what can we say before we go? Hmm. We um, did. We did talk about Corey Britton. Oh, we did. Was... Uh, JB would have been approving of that. Yeah, definitely. We be... did mention the, the the trend of bubbling and uh, <laughs> urinating into your own mouth. We did talk about downing jam. Uh, maybe let's just finish with let the boys play. <laughs> yes, let the boys play. Let the boys play. Uh, JB will be back next week. Um, we'll find out all about his honeymoon. Um, oh, we also played a clip of Nick Cummins, and we'll see if uh, we'll see how fast. His bride's nighty dropped, <laughs> Dro- dropped as, fair, as quick as her bride's nighty, Mac. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll see all that, and I have a little chat with us in the meantime with all the things we've talked about at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Nice one, Phil. Cheers, Tim. What's happening in the World Cup final right now? Oh, uh, se- half, se- half time was second it? Second half just oh, kicked, it just off. kicked off. Argentina, though. It's a nice Argentinian kit. You like that kit? I'm a bit, I'm a bit disappointed they're not wearing the blue and white. Oh, oh. oh hello, hello. The flag has stayed down this time. Oh. I oh feel, my god! I can't believe you missed that. Miss. That's unbelievable. Right, I, I think we better go and watch this second half, Phil. Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's the commitment we've got, and we'll see you on the next one in a bit. Meet 2024's most anticipated robot vacuum, Eufy X10 Pro Omni, with powerful 8,000 PA suction and MopMaster's dual mop pads. It keeps your floor sparkling clean. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards, and Digital Trends says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.